Today's reading is from Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything I lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained, not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting, that, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, the word of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm Pastor Tim, if we haven't met, so glad you're here today on this beautiful day. Thank you for uh, carving some time out of your weekend to be here at worship. It's always an important thing and it's a priority in our lives as people of faith. And speaking of priorities, that's exactly uh, what this message is gonna be about today as we talk about peace in the busyness of life. On a scale of one to 10, uh, 10 being the busiest, uh, just how busy are you right now? What would that number be? What would you say is that number? It's important to uh, pause sometimes as people of faith and think about things like our priorities and think about seeking God's peace in uh, the busyness of life. And so today, uh, we're going to be in our Bibles in just a little bit in uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians that we just heard. But uh, before we do that, I want to ask you... Um, What's on your to-do list right now? Does it look like that? Is it long? Is, is there nothing on it? Is it, is it, is it manageable? Um, I saw a, a really neat uh, to-do list online. Uh, it, the first box said, uh, make a to-do list. The second box said, um, check off the first thing on the list. The third box said, realize you've already done the first two things on your to-do list. And the fourth box said, reward yourself with a nice long nap. <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way. Have you ever looked at your to-do list, and uh, like me, and you just go numb? You just freeze because you're like, where do I start? Which one of these is a priority? Which one of these is most important? And you're just sort of like, what do I do? Um, it's important to take inventory. It's important sometimes to pause and just take inventory of our lives. And we do this more often than we think we do. We take inventory of everyday things and we maybe not even realize it. Am I the only one where this happens in your house? That's a refrigerator. Anyone else have a home where someone goes to the fridge and opens the door and just stands there as if they're frozen in time? Staring into the abyss. I don't know if they're looking into Narnia or 
if they look in the freezer and Elsa's starting to sing Let It Go and cast her you know, snow and ice around. I don't know, but they're just standing there. And after a, a, you know, a decent amount of time, you say something to this family member like, what are you looking for in there? And they're taking inventory of what's in the fridge. We're like, well, there's fresh meat, there's some fruit in the bottom drawer, there's some yogurt, you know, what? I don't know, nothing looks good. And they just stand there. Well, please close the door until you figure it out. That would be great. Or we, uh, we have this next one. Have you ever done this? You go in your closet or you open your closet and you stand there and you look and you think to yourself or you say it to someone in your family, I have nothing to wear. To which I try to be rational in the, in the moment. I'm not saying anyone in my family's ever done this, but if I hear this, I say, you've got, you know, look at all the stuff in front of you there. Just pick one. I have nothing to wear. Taking inventory of our wardrobe. Sometimes it gets into bigger and, and more important matters. Uh, we take inventory of our portfolio, our investments. How many of you are doing this on a regular basis? Now you have a phone app and you're checking daily. How's the market? How are my investments? How are, what, are the, what are my assets doing? You know, oh, by the way, um, did you hear that Henry Winkler uh, committed investment fraud? It was a Fonzie scheme. Anyone under 40 right now is going, what did that mean? So if you're under 40 and you don't know that, what that joke is about, after you go out in the hallway, ask someone who Fonzie is, and we'll, we'll get it figured out for you. But I mean, we take inventory. We want to know how we're doing, not just in our portfolio, but of our lives. We take inventory of our relationships. We take inventory of our careers. We take inventory all the time. And so if you were to be asked, um, what are your top priorities? What would you put on this list? Not what should they be. That's a whole nother list. What are they really, if you're raw honest? What is number one? What are the other things on your list? We have a great opportunity this morning in our worship space to pause as people of faith and just say, let's take inventory of this. Let's take inventory of my priorities. Let's think about what they are. Let's think about what's important to me. Let's think about our faith as we think about our priorities. And we have a wonderful opportunity from Paul's letter to the Philippians. So if you want to turn there with me, we're in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, following the book of Acts. Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. And I get to use my favorite joke in Scripture. If you keep Philippian, you'll find Philippians. Thank you very much. Philippians 3, verse 7. We pick it up. Again, we've heard it read, but whatever were gains to me, Paul's writing to believers in the first century, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Think about that sentence for one second. Here is a person saying, 
Whatever I have gained in my life, I consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now, prior to this verse, if we jump up to verse 4, Paul is going to lay out for the people he's writing to uh, his resume. Uh, He's going to tell them all the reasons he had to boast in his lifetime, all the reasons why he could be uh, boasting and proud of worldly things and things that the people he was writing to would all understand. So let's go through his resume. Paul wants them to know his credentials. So verse 4, he says, "Though Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh or in worldly stuff or in, you know, personal things, he says, I have more. Here comes the list. Circumcised on the eighth day. That was what God commanded Abraham to have happen to all uh, Israelite uh, male-born boys uh, on the eighth day as a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham and the nation Israel. They were on the eighth day after birth to be circumcised. He starts with that. And he says, of the people of Israel. That's the next thing. I'm an Israelite. I am of the nation God chose to be a blessing to all nations. I am from, I am an Israelite, of the tribe of Benjamin. There were 12 tribes of Israel. Benjamin was the elite tribe. Benjamin was the tribe that the first king of Israel came from, Saul. And probably the person that Saul, Paul was named after, his name was Saul before his conversion. He was then known as Paul when he became a Christian. He goes on, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. If you know anything about uh, the New Testament and, and the time and the context, the Pharisees were the sort of the spiritual athletes of the day. They were the ones who kept the laws. They were the ones who taught the people about God's law. They knew it back and forth, left, right, up, down. They knew everything about it. And he said, I was that. I was a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. You go, wait a minute, what? Paul was persecuted? Yeah, when he was still in the Jewish faith and tradition, he, as a Pharisee, was trying to wipe out what was called the way. The way was the movement, and it's still a movement today, the Christian movement throughout the world. He wanted to stop the movement that had its roots in Jerusalem with, a, with, a, with a 11 motley disciples and female followers of Christ, and they were spreading the word that this Jesus who was crucified and everyone saw it is now alive. And Paul, as a Pharisee, at Saul at the time, wanted to stop it. He's like, we got to stop this. This is a nuisance. These people are, are, are you know, tipping the apple cart here. we got to knock this out. So he's telling him in this letter, I persecuted this movement. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. In other words, as a Pharisee, knowing God's law to the red letter, There's nothing in there that could condemn me. So he's boasting up about his past, about all his accomplishments, about all his gains. And now we pick it back up in seven. But whatever were gains to me, that whole list, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Garbage. 
Now, this is a loose translation of the Greek. Would you like to learn a Greek word today? I'll have you repeat it. I'll say it as best I can. You say it out loud. Are you ready? Scubula. One more time. Scubula. I can't believe you just said that in church. I'm shocked. How do I put this? What does that word mean exactly? Well, I had a seminary professor explain it to the class learning Greek like this. Scubula is, it's BS without the B. And Paul wrote it in this letter for shock. He put it in here to raise their eyebrows. Everything I've done, I consider lost. Not only do I consider lost, it's scubula. That I may what, he says at the end of verse 8, gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. In other words, nothing I do, but everything God has given me, his grace, his love, the gift of his son on the cross, that is nothing I've done. I simply receive it by grace through faith, and that surpasses all of the other stuff in my life. Paul considers them garbage. In verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. He doesn't write, I want to know about Christ. We can go to the history books. We can go online. We can learn about anyone in history. We are at a time in the information age and with technology where where we can learn about anyone in an instant. But we can't know them like Paul knows Christ. Because of the resurrection, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, all believers can know Christ. Not just know about him, but know him. Our middle school ministry here is called H2H. If you've never, never known what that means, what it stands for, it's head to the heart. Sometimes, in a, in a Christian's li- at some time in a Christian's life, our prayer is all of the head knowledge, knowing about Jesus, knowing about God, knowing about God's love and grace, all about knowing Jesus, about him, is in the head. At some point in our faith journey, it drops 18 inches to the what? To the heart. And it's at that moment we can say like Paul, I know Christ. I know Jesus. I am his follower. He is alive. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is in my life. In the Trinity, in the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus, the resurrected Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is alive and well, and he is in my life, and I know him. I know his words. I know his voice. I know him as my Lord. So again, let's come back. What are your priorities right now in your life? Again, not what should they be, because we could all do the what should they be. That can make us feel good. I want to put Jesus first. I want to put God and faith first. Then I want to put my family first. And then I want to put, you know, all my friends or whatever. I, I know what it should be. But what is it really? And if we're honest, 
Is there a priority we're not so proud of that makes the list? Maybe there's an addiction, for example, that we'd never really thought would be a priority in our lives, but when we sit back, we go, whoa, that's, that's definitely got to be because it's got control of me. What's on there? And does it matter? In Philippians 3.14, at the end of today's scripture reading, Paul says this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's put that up on the screen. Um, If you can see it with me, I know it's a bright day, but let's try to read it together. Are you ready? Here we go. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Called me where? Heavenward. Is this what you're pressing on towards in your life? Is this in your forethought each day as you wake up? I am a child of God. I am moving towards heaven. I am a child. He has prepared a place for me through faith in his son who went to a cross for me. I am going heavenward. This is my destiny. It's not a hope. It's not a, I hope I get there someday. It's because of God's grace in my life. I know it is going to happen. I know Jesus and I know I'm going to heaven. That is where I'm headed. And Paul, I think, was a great athlete because he always uses sort of athletic imagery in his writings. Um, And so he's like, I've run the race. You know, he does all these metaphors about faith. He is pressing on. And let me just pause and tell you where Paul is writing this letter from. He's writing this letter about a decade later, about 60 AD or so, to believers in first century Philippi, at the time, a Roman town, you know, now part of uh, Greece and Macedonia. The ancient town is just a distance away from the modern uh, area and town city now, if you've ever been there. The ruins, I should say. And Paul is writing this verse from a dark, lonely jail cell. He's in Rome. And he knows in his heart of hearts he's going to die for his faith. And let me make it even more interesting for you. Do you know what the theme of the whole letter of Philippians is? Joy. Not the worldly joy that comes from the highs and lows of what we've eaten or how much sleep we've had or what's happened in our life yesterday, but the joy of knowing Christ. And from this jail cell, knowing he's going to likely die for his faith, he's telling believers of the church he started 10 years prior, I am pressing on toward the goal. God has called me to this. He knows it. Someone who in his past had done all the things to counter the Christian movement before his conversion is now the champion for faith. And in his last days, he's encouraging believers to know Jesus and get their priorities in order in their lives and stop chasing after all things that the world says are gains and start thinking about pressing on towards your heavenly calling. 
I want to end this morning with uh, this imagery. Let's go ahead and put that up there. I know uh, a lot of you have got your Christmas thoughts going already. I'm looking forward to a holiday uh, next month. Um, It's near the end of the month, and there's a big table, and there's family, and there's tons of food. Can I get an amen? And there's probably one of these. How many of you are going to eat a piece of this kind of pie in about a month from now? All right? I always think of my grandpa, householder, when uh, I see a pie or I'm eating pie because uh, a couple things. Whenever he was with family and, and we'd get to dessert, and my mom would say, Dad, do you want pumpkin or do you want chocolate? His answer would be yes. So that's a great one if you want to use it. If you're given an option for pie, just say yes. And she'd bring them both pieces on a plate. It was awesome. Um, and again, he lived into his 90s, and I am convinced he had a piece of pie every day of his life. So that might be a secret we don't know about. Um, pie's, pie got him to his 90s. I, he went, I think his daily routine was, um, you know, get up, read the paper, watch Prices Right, and then go out for a piece of pie. I mean, that was his secret to living a long and healthy life. So let's think about this this image. Let's cut it in six pieces. I want to encourage you to do this today. You can go home and draw a circle and you can make the perfect wedges. And do it yourself. This is between you and the Lord. What are your priorities? You don't even have to rank them. They can all have a wedge, a piece of the pie. Do a priorities inventory. Hit the pause button. Say, what is important? What am I pressing on towards in my life? Where does my faith fit in? And now I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you to not think of your faith or knowing Christ as one of the pieces. Whoa, did Pastor Tim just say, don't make knowing Jesus one of my priorities? Doesn't that kind of go against the, what he said for the last 15 minutes or so? I mean, what, what is he doing? Well, making your faith or knowing Jesus is one of the pieces is too easy. And it's not what Paul's talking about. So work with me on this imagery. If you were to take each of those pieces out, my family, my friends, my job, my hobbies, getting a McRib before they're gone. And you take all of these priorities out, okay? And it's empty. And again, faith, knowing Jesus, isn't one of them. What if I suggested to you and challenged you to think that this is knowing Jesus? The whole tin, the whole dish, knowing Christ holds our priorities in place. 
knowing Christ as, the, as that which holds it all together affects what my priorities are. And may I be so bold to say if you've got a priority in here that is not held by Christ or not seen through the lens of knowing Christ, maybe it shouldn't be in there. What if this was knowing Christ? My family, knowing Christ, holds this priority for me, affects how we live and how we interact. My friendships, knowing this is Jesus, knowing him, affects the friends I choose. It affects how I treat my friends because I am a follower of Jesus. My relationships, I view them through the lens of my faith in Jesus. That priority for me, my relationships, I'm choosing relationships, seeking those which are healthy and those I can enrich as a person of faith. My job, my career, This is Jesus. It holds my career. I believe everything I've had been given through my job is a blessing from the Lord. And I am seeing my job now not just as a wedge of its own. It is that which I do because I'm a person of faith. And there are people in my workplace who need the touch of of a loving Christian person. I'm not going to beat them over the head with my faith, but I'm certainly going to know that Jesus is that which I interact with them in my workplace. My goals in life, if Jesus is this, then my goals as a priority are going to be that which I pursue as a person of faith with integrity and with character. And you make your own wedges. But would you think about Jesus as that which holds your priorities together? I want to end with the words of Christ today. As he tells us, peace I leave with you. We're talking about peace in the busyness of life. If you want peace, the peace that I give you, he says, I don't give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It might begin to understand that peace which passes all human understanding. It might begin with you pausing in the busyness of your life and thinking about knowing Christ as that which holds all of your priorities in place. Ah, it's my prayer for you today. My prayer is that you can know that peace, the peace that comes from knowing Christ. And then getting your priorities in place. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the champions of faith in Scripture who stir us and move us and challenge us. We thank you for Paul and his writings 
which certainly, Lord, had their time and place and context, but they certainly, Lord, still speak to us alive and well today. And so with that in mind, Lord, we ask that we may spend some time with you this week in prayer, in thought, and do a priorities inventory and get real with you. And we pray, Lord, that your son Jesus, who went to a cross for our sins and the promise of eternal life, would hold them all together and bring us the peace, the peace that only comes from knowing you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, amen.